From Data Rails, this is FPNA Today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FPNA Today. I am your host, Paul Barnhurst, aka the FPNA Guy, and you are listening to FPNA Today. FPNA Today is brought to you by DataRails, financial planning and analysis platform for Excel users. Every week, we welcome a leader from the world of financial planning and analysis. And today, we're going to do something a little different. We have a leader who's the CEO of Lead Pages with us, and we're going to have her talk about her experience with finance, what she looks for in finance leaders, how she's worked with FPNA. So a little bit of a different perspective today. As I've mentioned, you know, FPNA today is going to be your go-to resource for everything FPNA. We encourage you, if you haven't had the chance, to provide a rating on the platform you listen to. And also we give you a reminder that you can earn CPE credit for this course. You'll just need to go to Earmark and you can go in there and they'll ask you some questions and you can get that credit. So with that being said, I'm thrilled to welcome today's guest on the show. I have with me today, Jeanette DeRazio, coming to us from Minnesota. Jeanette, welcome to the show. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to have you. So let me just tell you a little bit about Jeanette. We actually work together at Solera. So fun fact there. She comes to us from Minnesota. She's currently the CEO of Lead Pages. She went to school at the University of Minnesota. She's a member of the Forbes Technology Council. And over her career, she's worked with several different companies in multiple product and client success roles. So I'm going to go ahead and give her a chance to just tell us a little bit about herself and her background. I can do that. Thanks, Paul. So as you pointed out, I've had various different roles within technology. Currently, I am with Lead Pages. We are a drag and drop, no code. You can build websites and landing pages in the, in the marketing technology space. Um, so fast growth SaaS company, which is which is what I enjoy being with those type of companies. I'm really good with uh, creating growth and transformation strategies. I love building high-performing teams too in the technology space. That's that's what I'm passionate about. Innovation, right? It's all about innovation in this space. So I've been in technology for 20 plus years, various different industries, retail, automotive, marketing now, e-commerce, payment, payment providers, as well, I spent some time with Oracle, Verifone, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, lots going on in my career. Technology is a great time, great space to be in right now. And, you know, can't wait to see how it evolves going yeah, forward. Definitely. I agree with you. Technology, it's a great time. It's amazing to see how things continue to change and evolve, particularly around SaaS and subscription businesses, right? 10 years ago, they were just starting today. Most companies have the majority of their IT spend is some kind of SaaS or subscription service business. No, that, and that's spot on too. And it's also, you know, spawning some others platforms as a service, right? And you look at some of those cloud technologies and, you know, Google, Amazon platform as a service, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I, uh, I love it that I don't have servers in a physical location anymore, you know, risk reward type of thing, but brings that cost down and it's way more efficient. So really yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. Platform is a service, you you know, business processing is a service. You see so many things exactly. today as a service, right? Just slap as a service at as the a end service. of it. <laughs> so I, I'm curious, you know, I know you're the CEO of Lead Pages. Was it always your goal to be a CEO or, you know, what ultimately led to you becoming a CEO? Sure. So yes, I think my goal is always, I don't know if it was CEO necessarily, but my goal has always been to to run a company. 
for, for many years coming up through a product management path through technology. I was really good with marketing and operations um, side of businesses. So I did have, um, kind of was leading in the operations path, but, uh, you know, lo and behold, this opportunity at Lead Pages came up to a little over two and a half years ago. It was right there in a pandemic, of course. So that was a uh, interesting challenge to my, my leadership uh, methodologies that I've used in the past. But so, yeah, I've always liked leading teams, building businesses, building companies. And that's, yeah, that's what led me here. So I've been, I guess, training for this for a long time. And, and here I am. Got it. No, that makes sense. And that's great that you've achieved that goal of yours. It's, you know, always rewarding to get where we want to be. Not always as easy as Absolutely. we might think, but definitely rewarding. No. <laughs> so maybe can you talk to us a little bit about Lead Pages? You know, what you guys do, what the company is. Sure. So Lead Pages, actually, we're going to celebrate our 10-year anniversary uh, in January. So the company's been around, uh, obviously, 10, 10 plus years here. It was founded to solve a problem that marketers had with getting leads. Uh, and how do I do this, especially in a digital space with e-commerce? And back in the day, you had to find a, a front-end developer and probably use a WordPress platform. So Lead Pages came onto the scene and uh, the problem they were trying to solve is providing customers with an easy way to build those landing pages. That's how the company was born. So, so yes, our our core competency where we are bring our values with uh, building those, helping people, small businesses, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs who have no idea how to do marketing. We provide them tools and services to build landing pages, websites. Um, we're all about getting them leads and getting them revenue, and that's what Lead Pages does. That's uh, we exist to help those entrepreneurs and small business owners kind of realize their dreams and their passions and see it bring see them bring it to life. Got it. And I can relate to trying to figure out marketing as a solopreneur and lead pages and all those different things as I launch you know launch different ideas and ways to generate revenue. So I definitely know it's something a lot of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, early stage need help with. It's not always the easiest thing to figure out, for sure. No, not not at all. Yeah. So that's great that you have that. So, you know, obviously our show here, we're dedicated to finance, in particular FP&A. So we're going to get into a couple questions around that. Can you maybe talk about, you know, how your experience has been over your career working with finance and FP&A? Absolutely. So, so my, my experience and how, how I explain this to people that ask me about my relationship with finance teams I've worked with is first and foremost, they're my partner. They have a seat with me at the table, whether I was creating a new product at Oracle as a product manager and trying to understand, you know, how do I model the demand on this thing, right? That, that I'm building all the way up to my, my current role. You know, they're an integral part. They're, they're very important to not only myself, but others understanding the business and the opportunities. And they just bring another mindset to the team and to the table that I've really enjoyed and, and respected. There's been some times the, you know, where they, they've been, they're also in the trenches with you, right? And, you know, they're going to experience well, what you're experiencing, they experience. So I, I have a, I have a mantra of one team, one mission, and they're part of my team and sitting right there at the table with me. That is good to hear. I like to hear when people are, you know, at the table with you. I know, you know, finance in particular, FP&A, the way it's viewed, the need for it has changed a lot over the last 
you know, few years, Absolutely. especially the pandemic and other things. But maybe let's start on kind of, I don't want to call it a negative note, but what's maybe a bad experience you've had with, you know, working with FPNA, something that didn't go right or where you've been frustrated. And what do you wish they had done differently to better support you? Well, that's a good question. Wow. I don't know that I would call them negative experiences necessarily. I think there's been a couple times too with my FPNA colleagues where there's been assumptions made, right? You're working on a project. You think we're going one way. They think they're going another way, whether it's an analysis or I'll give you a recent example. We're trying to model out some retention forecast and what we think churn rate's going to be. And there's, you know, everybody has their interpretation of the, of the data differently and where it needs to go. And, you know, I had some numbers come up and uh, they got, they got communicated to the parent company, to my boss. And lo and behold, after we challenged those, oh, those, those numbers turned out not to be right. There was an assumption that the finance person had made about the business that they weren't entirely up to speed about. So we had just a, a small miss that that made it into a budget, uh, into the forecast. So we had to back that off. But, you know, here's the deal. Everybody makes a mistake. We know that, you know, especially within lead pages, we have a culture of, you know, let's, if we're going to fail, let's fail fast. Let's figure it out. And so we were able to quickly change that. The benefits of working for a smaller company is uh, a little bit more squishy, not squishy, but a little bit more leeway on uh, some of those forecasting that we can reforecast and stuff. But, but what I've learned from that too is communication is key and just making sure that, you know, both of us are understanding each other and what our needs are. And, you know, I've had a couple of times where, you know, we'll go over something and, you know, my question has been, are you sure? Do you get it? But then, you know, vice versa too, they've asked me the same thing, you know, hey, Jeanette, you understand the numbers I'm going, what I'm thinking. So kind of a long answer, but I don't call it a bad experience other than uh, yeah, an opportunity where we kind of, two ships crossed in the night and, you know, we had to come back on course. Thanks for sharing that. It sounds like me, the key takeaway from that is really just that importance of making sure you're communicating and that you're aligned Correct. on all the assumptions. Because right, none Correct. of us want to have to explain to senior management or to anyone at a high, you know, investors, whoever it may yep. be, there was an error or there was a bad assumption or there was a miscommunication, whatever it might be, and we need to bring the number down. Right? Never a fun situation. I absolutely been, not. No. I remember my, you know, my first year SaaS business was Solera, you know, where we yep. worked in AutoPoint and worked with my manager, and we put together a forecast. I think we missed. I think churn the first month was three times higher than what we had forecasted. The year was yep. done. That was a fun one to explain and it, it didn't get better, but that's another exactly. story. So <laughs> I can definitely relate to that making a forecast, you know, it, error with yep. the churn. That that was a learning yep. experience, as you said. Completely, so. completely. And I think what, um, you know, just to expand on that, what's been really challenging the past two years is trying to forecast off a pandemic fueled business. Uh, Lead Pages was one of those. You know, we were very fortunate to be part of that digital explosion, I'm going to call it. And, you know, just understanding. And I think any talk to any CEO these days, big company, small company, mid sized company, anywhere in between, everything just got thrown out of whack. And, you know, how are, it's been hard to predict some demand and some of what the market's going to do because we've got, you know, some big pendulum swinging back and forth and we're not sure where it's going to land. I'm hoping we're through it, you know, relatively soon. We've got some economic headwinds where everybody's dealing with, but that's been really challenging. 
just to come back and say, pandemic, you know, uh, I, I think there's some grace you get with being able to use that reasoning, but, you know, We'll see where the world ends up. <laughs> yes, as I saw, I think it was on a mug or a shirt somewhere, they called it EBITDA C, earnings before <laughs> interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, and coronavirus, right? Coronavirus. <laughs> or COVID. And uh, so that, in yeah. your case, that might be a positive. You want to take it out for the future and be like, okay, now we've level set yeah. without COVID of what we think we can grow. Because once you hit a number, yeah. everybody wants to continue to see that growth. And you're like, oh, there's some things that exactly. have changed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that makes sense, and that's great that you're benefited, but then it also creates a challenge of how do you keep that momentum going in a different environment. Completely. Yeah. So, no. Absolutely. So maybe you know, on the flip side, you shared that experience where you know it was a learning experience. What's been maybe some of the, you know, something really positive you've seen from FP&A, maybe where they've made a real difference in the business, you know, something went right. Maybe just share an example there. Oh, boy. I've had a lot of those, actually. That's good. Um, that's I, what I like to hear. Yes, that's why this role is so important. There's been a couple projects and I've had over the past few years where I'm having my FP&A there at the table and understand the business. One item in particular is we were trying to forecast, staying on the pandemic theme, we were trying to forecast out what our revenue was going to be for the, for fiscal year 22, I believe it was. And, you know, the company was just acquired. So there was all kinds of new things. People weren't sure. And what person I was working with found that we weren't accounting for a, a big source of our revenue. It was another sales channel we had. It was kind of missed in the previous forecasting, right? Again, you know, you're acquired. There's a lot going on. You're trying to figure through that. But, um, you know, they spotted a mess that, you know, me and my leadership team didn't see that and brought that to the table. And uh, lo and behold, that that helps some of our operating profit that we're trying to figure out where we're going to get it from. So uh, what I really appreciated is that, they saw it. We talked about it. You know, they provided their reasoning. You know, here's where I found it. Here's here's what's going on. And such a positive experience, right? And and it just fueled a great amount of just optimism in the team, right? You know, especially during the pandemic where you're trying to slug along. We're getting through an acquisition. You know, hey, it's all positive. See, see the potential that we have. And and that's what they brought to the table. I mean, that's just one example of of many that I've had with them. On the other side, too, looking at a churn retention in a SaaS business and trying to figure out what that's going to be and what the uh, what the patterns have been. And you know, it was about a year and a half ago where the person I was working with actually noticed some some interesting patterns that we were having in the churn cycle, and you know, brought a couple suggestions to the table on the business side that wasn't anticipating that they would bring to the table. And great idea. We implemented it. We looked at some cohorts a little bit differently, customer cohorts than we have in the past. And, you know, we implemented it and we're in a much better spot than, than we were um, a year and a half ago on it. So a couple of just examples of real, just positive interactions I've had with, uh, with FP&A. Thank you for sharing that. And it's good to hear where they're, you know, they're adding those value, finding things, finding those insights that we may not notice or providing suggestions that, you know, can help drive the business forward because I like to think of it as, you know, FPA really is there to help create value, to be a tr strategic consultant Absolutely. from a number perspective. 
Yeah. So, yeah. You know, speak, totally agree. Sound like you agree. So how do you think, you know, obviously you know, the economy or a little bit of a downturn. Some people yeah. say we're in a recession. It all depends on who you ask. What we do know is inflation's up. Interest rates are up. We're seeing a few yeah. more layoffs. A lot of people, it's a challenging environment, right? And so how Correct. do you see the role of the finance function in this type of an environment? Does it change for you? You know, does the value that you want to see from finance function change? Or how do you think about it in this kind of environment we're in right now? Great question. I mean, because I always have finance as part of my team, they're, they're a key component, a key team player. I don't see that changing necessarily other than what's coming at us is different business strategies and different ways of looking at things. So sure, you know, business for centuries, you know, business goes up, business goes down. And what I appreciate about my finance partnerships that I have right now is we just, you know, we just change business strategies. How do we need to react to a labor market? I, you know, nine months ago, the labor market was so hot. You know, I, I couldn't keep software engineers. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we had to, we, we had to figure out how to do that. And conversely, you know, we have, we have turned a little bit higher. So for me, they play a really important part of. They also keep my, keep it keep me level headed, right? Keep others level headed in the business, and not. Um, they help us see the patterns. They a lot of times, you know, they've got their ear to other parts of the financial world that we don't have. So I really rely on them as as a partner and another set of eyes and ears on and how we need to adjust as a business to to be able to adapt. That makes sense, and I'm you know. Glad to hear that they're really that key member of the team. A lot of things that you said there made sense to me. And it just made me think of a question a little bit. Going to change subject on you just a little here for a minute. Something we talked about before we started on the podcast is I know you guys are product-led growth. Very yep. little sales. I think you said maybe one person or whatever. It's almost all through affiliate and product. So are there key metrics you look at, you know, kind of things in the reporting way that you expect from your CFO and it? and your finance yep. team, and maybe what are those? What are those kind of key key metrics that you really look at them to provide for you? There's so many metrics. I mean, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> That's why I said key. I didn't say metrics. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, You know, for me, there's about a half a dozen or so that I look at on a daily basis that come from my finance team that help me keep a pulse on the business. You know, you have your standard SaaS metrics, you know, how am I doing with our MRR, monthly recurring revenue? What's the cash flow looking like? Bookings, right? For us, we are a trial-based business. So, you know, our customers come into us and their journey starts typically with a trial. So I've got metrics around how they're performing the trial. Usage as well. We've uh, we've built, uh, recently built a group of success coaches, we call them onboarding specialists that, you know, as we mentioned earlier, our customer base typically doesn't, they're marketing experts, so they need some help and some guidance. So, you know, I look at some metrics around how many people we're putting through that pipeline, obviously, uh, you know, churn and, uh, and retention and how that's tracking for the month. And because we are PLG, I, there's some key marketing metrics that I look at too. So our trial conversion rate, our trial to paid rate, as well as, you know, our return on ad spend, because we are putting some or some considerable investment against the, you know, those paid media opportunities and channels that we have to go through. 
So really is, you know, if I boil that up to on a daily basis and a snapshot of, you know, quickly what I look at, right? Revenue, how are we trending with revenue for the month top line? How are we looking as far as those billings and bookings that we're getting? I also pay close attention to our, you know, our LTV to CAC ratio. You know, I'm not the, the only business that experienced this, but, you know, last year at this time, the cost to acquire a customer was astronomical. You know, call it some people attribute that to the changes Apple made and in their advertising and how they serve, you know, serve data up to people. But it was it got really expensive to buy that. So we know that the health of the business, we want that ratio to be good ratio for for SaaS business. So I keep a keen eye on how we're doing there. And then just, you know, around our operating profit, how it's looking for the month um, and that cash flow and seeing how we're going. So. Those are my key ones I look at, obviously, you know, we could go in depth. Uh, there's, I don't know, 30 some key metrics for SaaS business. that. <laughs> yeah, there, there is definitely a lot you can look at. I really like when you said LTV to CAC. I think that's a huge one for SaaS businesses. Obviously, cash burn, understanding yes. cash is always important. Runway bookings is huge. You know, ARR, whether you're looking at, you know, also looking at committed to understand, okay, how much do I have coming in this month to add to it? And all those, all those different things that help you understand that. And I really liked how you mentioned, obviously, being PLG led is how efficient CAC helps tell part of that, but how efficient are we being in our marketing spend? What's the conversion rate? Because little percentages can make a huge difference there. You know, a couple of basis points here or there can really, you know, make the difference between hitting a plan or not. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So yes, those, I hate to call them funnel metrics because, you know, you've got the funnel metrics in, in our marketing machine, but, you know, I'm really looking at the health of the business on a, on a month to month. And, you know, as you know, a SaaS, it can get pretty, it's the word I'm looking for, fluid sometimes. And, you know, trying to to forecast what the business is going to do in a certain area with a certain customer base. But we've got some good tools around that. And, you know, we use, if we want to get into tools a little bit, I don't know if you have that a question later, but uh, we had some, uh, one challenge I had is we had some disparate sources of um, where we're storing information. So we've got some great platforms we use now, but I've got a fantastic data analyst. He's, he's top notch and, We've actually consolidated a lot of that into one place. So it's, uh, he calls it Jeanette's dashboard. So Jeanette has her own dashboard and has several of those items I just mentioned. Yeah, that, that is always good to have as a great data analyst or somebody who can put your data together, build those dashboards, work with all those disparate yes. systems that we so often have and try to consolidate that that tech stack, whether it's a finance, the business, the operational you know, there's just a lot of data, a lot of systems. And if you don't get control of it, as you know, right, yeah. it becomes a real challenge. So that's great that you've, you know, you got a good handle on that. You know what it is like. 13 different spreadsheets emailed out to 23 different budget holders. Multiple iterations, version control, errors, back and forth updates, you never really feel in control of the consolidation and collection process. Yep, I've been there. Stop, breathe. DataRails is the financial planning and analysis platform for Excel users. DataRails takes data from all your company's disparate sources, 
No organization is too complex. Consolidating everything into one place. Secured in the cloud. Now all your data finally talking to each other. Everything is automated back into your report in Excel. Cash flow, FX conversion, intercompany transactions, now automated and up to date. Drill down and variance analysis in seconds. Don't replace Excel, embrace Excel. Turn your Excel into a lean, mean FPNA machine. Find out more at www.datarails.com. So kind of stepping back here for a second, you know, as a CEO, how do you set about thinking about, you know, kind of building and supporting a finance function? Great question. So um, as I've talked about finance being a key partner, um, somebody out at the table, I think it's important to build, incorporate finance disciplines, finance functions as early as possible in the life cycle of any business, you know, as your business scales. You know, I, I, I don't know if there's the exact sweet spot in number, but, you know, for me, anything that's going between, you know, two and five million in revenue, you're trying to get up there a little bit, a bit larger of a footprint with a finance team. So what does that mean, right? You know, maybe you have a, a finance leader, whether it's a CFO, VP of finance, you know, you have somebody that does the accounting, right? And uh, understanding how we need to code those bills and, you know, accounts payable, and then having an FP&A person there, I think at least my experience has been that's the last discipline that's added. And I would argue that should be a very close first. You know, yeah, first you got your CFO, but um, the discipline needs to be earlier rather than later. You know, sure, you can, whatever goods or services you're selling, the software you're selling, you kind of, you know, you, you get your money in, money out, right? You know, you're just key disciplines. but not understanding what you could do with that or potential market opportunity, or maybe there's a different investment strategy we should be looking at. That role I found has been so important and to bring in as early as possible. You know, obviously you look at some bigger companies, they've got so many multi-levels of discipline within finance is kind of crazy, but you know, minimum somebody to run the book, somebody to run, run the accounting, make sure, you know, we're paying expenses, paying bills, et cetera. But then somebody on um, that balances that, that can really talk to you about business strategy and where you need to go and, you know, what's happening in this world that you're in, I, I think is key. Something I've heard you mention a lot is looking the FP&A to also help with business strategy. It feels like you view FP&A, obviously there's the number perspective they bring, but you're really looking for them to be part of that discussion and be able to understand the strategy and understand the business. Absolutely. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah. Okay, Absolutely. Good. Yeah. hundred percent. I've found that when they're not, they tend to be defaulted into more of what I would call traditional finance, right? They're maybe they get stuck on taxes or compliance or something, you know, yes, it's very important, but it's really not their passion, right? Most most FP&A folks that I have worked at really want to understand the business, get involved, you know, help plan different strategies. You know, as I was early in my career with, you know, product management, building technology solutions, you know, having that person that was able to, you know, hey, 
help me with a revenue model, right? You know, the, this exec is asking for a revenue model. I'm not, you know, I'm pretty sure that if I say we're going to sell a lot, that's not really going to resonate with them. So um, <laughs> yeah, help me put that together and, and quantify that, what that means. So yeah, no, they're very important part of my world. I really appreciate that you recognize the importance of strategy because I feel like that's where, you know, FP&A can really add value, right? 100%. The spreadsheet, the numberings, the modeling. Yeah, okay, that's great. Yeah. But without understanding the business, there's just a piece that's missing. That's always been something I've really, you know, in my career, I've tried to pride myself on and enjoyed is understanding the business and trying to think of ways of how do we bring value, not, hey, right. you need to cut your expenses because you're 100000 off on EBITDA. No, I won't take this cross charge or whatever, right? right? right. You know, those type <laughs> of things. There right. was an inside joke there between Jeanette on that, on the cross charge <laughs> comment. I had a, I'll, I'll tell the story here to give people a laugh. I had, we had a leader that was asking me to cross charge everything. And I was like, well, if we're going to cross charge this, we also have to cross charge these expenses over here. And I'm pretty sure they'll wash out. And he finally just like, I, I, right, I give up. Yeah, I'm not cross charging it. Yeah, we got so, him. We got him. <laughs> so it was a, it was a fun little back and forth I had with one of the leaders and Jeanette got to hear some of those conversations. So that's why I threw in the cross charge. So we'll so give a little fun. backstory for those. It was a, it was a fun, fun time. And, yeah. You got to have fun <laughs> in finance, right? You do. So next question here, what advice would you offer for the FP&A function to, to make themselves more prominent as a profession? I mean, what do you think that's kind of held them back? Because for the longest time, they were viewed as back office. And I think that's starting to change. But what's kind of your take there? It's visibility, right? We're, we're in such a great time right now. Like it or love it, right? Social media content and, and just understanding what does this discipline do? What is it about? So visibility is just important. You know, corporations are businesses. They've always had these roles, right? They've, you know, big, big finance team, hundreds and hundreds of people. But I think with, especially where we cater to, which is those small businesses, and you have access to some of these platforms and people like yourself that are out there, whether it's podcasts, whether it's content on YouTube, whether it's, you know, LinkedIn is a great place. Um, I love your posts that you have, Paul, about you take a small little discipline, you know, uh, you know, something that, and like you said, modeling or pivot tables, let's talk about a pivot table, right? But you, you bring it to a place to where it's easily understandable and business owners can digest that and understand that. Um, and I, I think doing more of that is key. In fact, I've got some uh, people in finance that I'm mentoring with. Uh, I actually reverse mentor with them. They actually teach me a lot about the trials and tribulations and the fun things. And that's all fun things about FP&A, but really having that conversation and, and understanding how important I think too with the the explosion of, you know, we were talking about uh, as a service solutions earlier. I think in the fintech world, they've really come to a great place with, you know, different solutions and platforms that help you with that discipline that you didn't have access before in the past. It was usually somebody or some group of team and, oh my gosh, good luck if I could get access to that. But now that there is so much information and somebody like yourself bringing it together and having it easily digestible been great. And I've often sent a link to your uh, postings that you put a LinkedIn to other folks that I'm mentoring and um, just to, you know, as they're trying to get in the FP&A role, 
uh, which has been really, really helpful for them too. So wrapping that all up, visibility, keep talking about it, keep asking the question, right? Uh, there's been times where, you know, maybe I've been in a business discussion and I've said, stop, where's the finance person? Where are they, right? Let's make sure they're here and, um, you know, know how important it is to, you know, strategically where we're trying to get. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And I couldn't agree more is trying to be more visible, continuing to share what the function's about, you know, being outspoken, making sure you're involved in the business, you know, where needed. And I think those are all great ways to continue to uh, increase the visibility of FPA and help it move forward. So, Absolutely. you know, you've talked a, a lot about the importance of strategy and seat at the table and, you know, looking to finance to really kind of be that voice. What's maybe the top one or two things you look for from your CFO? Is you know, we've talked about a number of different things. What's what do you really want from a CFO? Well, communication is key. You know, I think, and I mentioned in my example before, everybody has a different viewpoint of the world. And, you know, I appreciate the diverse perspectives and opinions that my CFO brings to the table. You know, I think secondly, too, is just that uh, honesty and transparency, right? I know there's um, sometimes people feel like they've got to not bring bad news to the table necessarily, right? And I welcome that, you know, not that anybody wants to hear bad news, but, you know, let's have that conversation. We're all part of the same team. Let's figure out how we solve that problem together. And I appreciate having the opportunity to do that earlier versus later when something, you know, maybe is a little bit harder to try and fix. But, you know, for me, communication and like I said, honesty and transparency are the two key things I look for. Um, And third, somebody that just, you know, is really passionate about what they do and has an openness to teach me, right? I don't propose to know everything there is to know about finance. Otherwise, you know, I'd be probably in a CFO role, but I appreciate them willing to teach me or to educate me on something that, you know, I may not be completely up to speed about. So yeah, two added a third one in there for you. <laughs> yep. So I got it. So three things we talked about, you talked about obviously communication key. I mean, so important in any role, but especially, you know, a, a senior leader, you need them to communicate. I love the point about honesty and transparency it benefits nobody to hide something, to try to think, oh, we can fix it or we'll tell them about it later. It, it is just never a good idea. It never ends well. Nope, I, I've nope. seen it. I can remember sitting in a meeting where somebody wasn't wanting to bring something up. They were trying to hide it. And it took me a while to figure out what they were doing. And I'm like, just tell them already. Let's just yeah. move on and get it over with. You're This is silly. Absolutely. Yeah. Agree. Couldn't agree more. And so, and then I think the third one you mentioned there is just being willing to help, you know, educate and mentor and help teach, yeah. right? Because we all, we all need to learn and we all have our different functions we focus on for a reason. We all have our strengths. So that makes, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And they're, they're part of, um, I like my CFO to be, uh, you know, set up this whole interview, right? Part of that team. And, you know, we fight together, we win together. And it's important that, you know, we're, we're all invested in the, the one thing. Make the main thing the main thing, as they say. So makes makes sense to me. So we're we're coming up toward the end of our time here. We got a few more minutes and just a couple more questions. We're gonna kind of shift gears a little bit. And these are pretty much standard questions we ask everybody. So you'll get okay. a couple couple ones here. The first one that we like to ask everybody: describe a time you had experience, or maybe there was a 
and I use this word loosely, right? A failure at work. Something didn't go as planned. You know, maybe an implementation went wrong, some kind of analysis, whatever it might have been. And what was the learning from that? You know, what was kind of the takeaway from that experience? Oh, let's see. Great question. Well, you know, I think the pandemic has, there's, there's no shortage of <laughs> learnings from, from the <laughs> pandemic and uh, having to pivot uh, not only your leadership, but businesses as well. I think there was one, one example where, you know, we had some folks that, you know, wanted to go try something new, right? A different position, different places, which I always encourage, right? You know, as a leader, my job is to make sure that you're not only successful where you are, but where you want to go. And, you know, these folks have been with the company for a, for a little while. What I underestimated was the impact that they would have when they exited and went on to their next journey. I think it was exacerbated with the pandemic because usually they all work together very closely, you know, in person. Mm -hmm. um, and you take that element of not being in person and being back in the two-dimensional world. And it was, I underestimated the reaction and how long it would take for people to say goodbye to that person, grieve, try to figure out, you know, oh my goodness, what are we going to do without them? So it just took a little longer than usual. And, you know, part of that is I'm a leader that likes to be present and, you know, the pandemic didn't allow us to do that. So, you know, learnings from that are, you know, when we do have people that move on to something different and, or even if they're getting promoted internally, right? It's a different role somebody's taking. So what I do is, you know, I allow that grace period, that time for people to absorb the change and to understand that change as, as they pivot to something else. So, um, yeah, uh, it's pandemic. It's, it it's sounds been, uh, like it was harder. <laughs> the transitions of those people was a lot harder than you anticipated and had to learn and adjust. Completely. But yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And the pandemic exacerbated all of it. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not surprising. It exacerbated a lot of things for all of us, I think. <laughs> Definitely not just that one. So mm. next question. This is a fun okay. one. We ask everybody, what okay. is something unique about you that you can share with our audience? Something they wouldn't find out online. Uh, let's see. What's something unique about me that wouldn't find out about me online? Okay. Well, I actually probably wouldn't find you'd have to do some digging online, but I actually had the opportunity to work in Paris for quite a few months. When I was with Oracle, we had a couple large customers in France, in Paris, and you know, having taken high school and college French and uh, having several folks that uh, people I knew that um, were from France, I got the opportunity to spend, uh, I think it was two, three months there, just working very closely with uh, colleagues, got to meet some great people. I got to practice my French a little bit more, um, which was, uh, you know, really good for me to do and, and see a different culture. But yeah, I don't think you'd find that online about me. I'll be surprised if somebody does, but yeah. Sounds rough, but somebody has to go to it France, It was horrible, right? right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I figured. I could tell. You're just like, oh, man, I got to take one for the team. <laughs> All right, so next question here for you. We'll see what we get on this one. Okay. Finance people love this question, but I know, uh, you know you're not our uh, typical guest in the sense no. that went up through the finance ranks. So finance people love Excel. Our sponsor is uh, 
an Excel-based FP&A platform, DataRails, and we like to ask everybody, what is your favorite Excel? It could be formula, function, feature, but what's your favorite thing about Excel? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing about Excel, I don't know if I have a function necessarily, because I don't get into that. I usually have a team of folks that, um, you know, or Paul, when you and I used to work together, you did my uh, my functions for me. <laughs> I do like the, they added it, you know, many, many years ago, but when they brought off pivot tables and I was, you know, able to do a very quick pivot table, you know, as a product manager, there was a lot of times where I had to be, um, you know, I was asked for the different slices of data, you know, tell me different customer base or, you know, what do you think the market's going to be in a certain spreadsheet, all this data. So I love that pivot table function of being able to go in there and pull some data out very quickly and succinctly and get that to the person asking for it. It made me look like a genius. So I, uh, I love that, you know, almost like uh, people couldn't, didn't know if, you know, hey, is, is Jenna part of finance? Is she not? Boy, wow, she really knows her stuff. So, um, so that's my favorite, one of my favorite features in Excel. You're not alone. I've had a, more than one guest say pivot tables is their favorite. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great thing. It's easy to consolidate things. So I totally understand that one. I've spent probably way more hours than I'd ever like to admit working with pivot tables. So. Yes, 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 absolutely. I, I understand that one. So last question we have for you is what advice would you offer to someone starting their career today in FP&A? Mentors, sponsors, mentors are key. I talk about this a lot. Um, I'm, you know, I'm very passionate about leadership and helping people grow in their careers and whether it's finance, technology, you know, maybe some other dis discipline, customer success, et cetera. Finding a mentor, finding somebody or many people, a lot of people think, you know what? I, I just need one mentor. You need many mentors. I've got many and they've evolved over the years, depending on where your work, where your career is and, and what you need. But it's just getting involved. Any, you know, local industry groups are really good doing that as well. I'm, you know, as you mentioned, I'm part of the Forbes Technology Council and I'm constantly, you know, searching for whether it's a mentor for myself, maybe it's on a topic I don't know about, or maybe it's for somebody else, right? It's really making those connections and talking about it. And I don't think, at least in my experience lately, finance is kind of that cool, that really cool subject, cool discipline that's going on. It's not, like you said, hidden in the back office, right? You know, oh, go talk to my back office person. It's not that anymore. It's really become front and center. Data is wonderful, but you know, somebody that's starting out, get those mentors, talk to people. I know it can be hard for some finance people because they tend to be a little bit more introverted and that sounds so overwhelming, but just ask, raise your hand. Uh, you'd be surprised at the number of people who will uh, be more than happy to have a conversation or coffee or, you know, take you out to lunch or whatever to uh, have that conversation and, and meet other people. It helps a lot. Sum it up, find a mentor. Find there a mentor. <laughs> have a mentor. I think that's a great, great answer. And I know they've helped me in my career. So last thing, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or you know learn more about lead pages or just see things you do, what's the best way to do that? Best way to do that. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, Jeanette Durazio. You can find me there. And that's usually where I hang out the most. But otherwise, uh, leadpages.com, all one word, L-E-A-D-P-A-G-E-S.com. 
Uh, you can also get in touch with me as in touch with me through that channel as well. But yeah. Well, perfect. Well, thank you for being a guest today. Appreciate you uh, providing a different perspective for us coming from, you know, the, the CEO seat versus the finance seat. So again, it was a pleasure having you on the show, Jeanette. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great to discuss, uh, have the opportunity to talk more about uh, my relationship and partnerships with finance. I love that. Thank you. Thanks. 